Hello, lovely people, and welcome to another episode of Quintessentially Queer. So, once again, I am your host, George Rallis, and today we have the pleasure to have with us in the studio my lovely friend, one of my best Judies, Stiliana Apostolu. Hey, girl. Hi. Yes, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Okay, so, the first song that we got into was Memorial by Michael Nyman. Um, and this episode will be a very artistic and like dramatic one, since we will be talking about the art of dance and embodiment. Dance. But, you know, this morning, I remembered to put the clothes in the dryer. I woke up and stretched my legs, starting from the toes. I felt a spiraling sensation of sensation, rushing my blood to places that are still dormant. My neck is killing me from carrying all the weight of the world on my shoulders. Finally, with the blinds up, I joined them. I'm one of those people that needs a coffee in order to make my first coffee of the day. I realized on my way to somewhere that I stained my shirt and that beyond wine, there's also a thousand ways to hold a cup of coffee wrong. I tried to refamiliarize myself with my surrounding and suddenly it all came back to me. I still didn't go to bed. So Sarah Ahmed begins her book Queer Phenomenology by posing one very simple question. What does it mean to be orientated? She poses the question of refamiliarizing yourself with the world around in a way that is always becoming something new, while also recognizes the action of doing so as a vital part of its own understanding. She says that to be orientated is also to be turned towards certain objects, those that help us to find our way. It's the objects we recognize so that when we face them, we know which way we're facing. They might be landmarks or other familiar signs that give us our anchoring points. So imagine this. You walk into your own room, a room where you potentially masturbated for the first time, share your first heartbreak tears on your pillow, and question your weight in its mirror. You set up this room throughout time to host your memories as dearly and as fondly as you remember them. If someone would blindfold you in this room, you wouldn't have that much of a difficulty finding your way around. You remember that you put the chair next to the door so that you can throw away your clothes on it as soon as you walk in. You finally touch the chair with your leg while you're going around fiddling blindfolded, and then you're led to the door that will provide your vision on the outside world again. However, what would happen if you're blindfolded in a completely new environment? How will you know what is where? This point can be made quite simply as Ahmed suggested. Orientations involve different ways of registering the proximity of objects and of others. Orientations shape not only how we inhabit space, but how we apprehend this world of shared inhabitants, as well as who or what we direct our energy and attention towards. A queer phenomenology, perhaps, might start by redirecting our attention towards different objects, those that are less proximate or even those that deviate or are deviant in themselves. In this way, imagine a completely new room again. You're blindfolded, 
Where do you start? First of all, understand that there's a window that is open. Feel there of the open window. Don't go towards it. Now, turn left. Feel what is in reach. You feel that there's a wall. Once you touch the wall, you feel that there's a painting. Don't touch the painting. You know that there's a wall on your left now. Now, you gain a quasi-recognition of what you can orient yourself towards. It is by understanding how we become orientated in moments of disorientation that we might learn what it actually means to be orientated in the first place. The only way to find your way within an unfamiliar room is by knowing and using the different sides of the body. Space, then, becomes a tension of twisting and turning, of directions taken, which not only allow things to appear, but also enable us to find our way through the world by situating ourselves in relation to such things. In the same respect, Laban focuses on the action of intentionality. Life, as lived and mirrored on the stage, consists of a chain of happenings. In terms of speech and bodily actions, movement qualities with the rhythmic, dynamic, and spatial structure are of a special importance as seen through these, basically. The performance becomes articulated. And by performance, I mean on a general note, not necessarily only on stage or as a dancer. Through the blurring of directionality, though, and of challenging familiarization, what movements of such nature would show us is thus the desire to achieve not a particular aim to an end, but more so to raise a question. This point of ontological questioning, performance, dance, movement, or simple embodiment is an action-filled synthesis. A synthesis that redefines our relationship to our body, to the object surrounding that and the world. It's a unifying process, culminating in the understanding of personality caught up in the ever-changing flow of life and of personal becoming. Now, I finally remember to wash the clothes, to take the stain off my favorite shirt. If I can't, well, thing will cut into a crop top if I fail. Is it with white wine that you remove a coffee stain? Mm, anyway, I'll just pour myself a red. I think it's time now I'll go back to sleep. But before I go to sleep, let's enjoy the silence by Depeche Mode. Was enjoy the silence by Depeche Mode. Hello, Stiliana. Hi. How are you, my love? I'm good. Oh my god, this is like 
this is like a very like I don't know transcendental experience for me right now I feel because like Stilena is one of my best friends from Cyprus and we're actually neighbors as well right yeah. so actually having someone that close to me from home being interviewed in this space is like weird but also like so much fun so welcome to Amsterdam first of all and to the studio thank you so how are you girl I pretend I don't know you Yeah, so of yeah. course, you don't know me, girl. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through, bitch. Thank you, kind stranger. <laughs> so, how are you? How do you feel being back? Yeah, I feel good, overwhelmed. Uh, yeah, a bit touched, a bit... I see familiar patterns mm-hmm. already. Like, people in the street. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny that, yeah. like... I started this introduction and okay, we started recording a bit late because Tiliana kind of like got lost in Amsterdam <laughs> and, she, and they call me like, girl, where are you? She's like, well, I'm left and right, left and right to me. There's two canals. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I am aware that I am in Amsterdam, but where are you? So speaking of directionality, right? You were in Cyprus before actually, but you were living in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, you were living in, where were you living? Yeah. The, um, I was living in Rotterdam, then The Hague. Vassenaar. Vassenaar, that's yeah. the one, right. So how do you experience, do you experience it differently now? Kind of like being in Cyprus with COVID. Let's not talk about Ms. Rona, but you get what I'm saying. This like juxtaposition between the tempo in Cyprus and being here right now, Yeah. right? How, how did this, like, how, do you, how did you experience this? Well, this is your second day, but I feel that it's the beginning that's kind of like a yeah. slap. I don't know. First impression, I think, is that... Uh, It da- Amsterdam doesn't look that affected from COVID, not mm-hmm. Cyprus, I think. Yeah, yeah. Girl. yeah, the streets are like emptier than they used to, I guess. But still, there is like lots of stuff going on and people, I think, they, they still doing their things. Yeah. Keep in mind that like now it's the most restricted that it's been since the beginning. Yeah. Because I've been in Amsterdam since the beginning of like uh, COVID, basically. Girl. But I mean, compared to Cyprus, like also oh the fact God. that yesterday there was an Uber at 11. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Uh, what? No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Let's build a tea. We, we did break we, curfew. We can break the We can the break rules. the fucking curfew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But don't do it, guys. We don't condone that. <laughs> so, what do you do, girl? Basically, introduce yourself to like the quintessentially queer like listener. Okay, so I'm a freelance artist slash dancer. I um, I identify as an interdisciplinary artist as well. Yes, bitch. Because uh, dance is like my major medium, but I there's branches mm-hmm. that uh, grow. Yeah, I mean, so, I still have your painting. Yeah, I do paintings. Uh, I have a singing background. Sometimes I play with my voice. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I keep on forgetting about that, that you yeah. were in Salamentale, to yes. be honest. But yeah, yeah. I am, um, yeah. Mainly I'm a dancer. Work, bitch. How long have you been dancing? Well, uh, I dance uh, since I'm five, since mm-hmm. I'm a kid. But I got more seriously into it when I was in a teenager. Okay, work. I, I have so much respect for like dancers, especially when I see them naked. Because I'm kind of like, damn, your body actually looks like that. And you can actually do that with your body. You know, I always joke. 
I mean, evidently this is humor. But I always say like, oh my God, I hate my fucking parents for not, not like sending me to dance since I was like five. So I would have just like a banging body by now and just not have to like read about ontology and shit and just like, I don't know, be a dancer and then become a stripper eventually when I'm kind of like tired of dancing. <laughs> That's the dream. <laughs> That's the dream, girl. <laughs> so why dance? How were you led to it? Like, do you have any stories or like experiences that formulated you and your choice? Or was it just like, Sure, why not? Well, I think it's it's very stereotypical in Cyprus. Mothers want to send their daughters to to ballet. Really? Yeah. So my sister was going to ballet, mm -hmm. and then uh, I wanted to. I was like four, and mm -hmm. at four I started like showing an interest. I did a small audition in my living room to my mom. Cute. And she was like really touched. Aww. And then she enrolled me to the school. <laughs> oh my God, that's adorable. Yeah. Actually, now that you say it, I, I I don't know why I didn't see that before. Like literally most girls that I know, most of my girlfriends like from yeah. Cyprus, like they all did ballet yeah. or like jazz or I don't know, contemporary or some shit. Well, yeah. mostly ballet yeah. though. I think my mom had the plan to send me at a certain point. It just, I wanted to touch mm -hmm. it up. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like the fact that you brought up your mom now, I think it's also <laughs> like, <laughs> we all, you also, <laughs> I think we're like, we should also share how we met. Okay, so people, in case you don't know, Cyprus is this small little rock in the middle of the Mediterranean. Like there's not that big of a community, that big of a community. Like we're literally one million inhabitants in the whole of the country. So one way or another, if you're kind of like an artistic soul or a bit more like, I hate the world alternative, but let's go with that, right? People tend to gravitate to one another. So me and this bitch, we never met actually. And then we had one common friend and we met at this beach, basically. And um, I noticed the way you were moving. I was like, oh my God, this bitch really is a dancer, <laughs> you know? It was just, it was poetic for me. But then we actually clicked this one night. I don't know if you remember this. I, where I we're the Yeah. <laughs> where we were in Susami, this like um, queer friendly, also hate that term, bar in Cyprus. And um, where we were in a big group, we got drunk, everyone left. And it was just me and her. And we looked too cute to go home. I'm like, bitch, I don't want to leave. And it's like, yeah, me neither. Let's just chill together. So we chilled. Then we went to Molos, like the docks, close to Susami, the seafront. And then we like uh, we went like uh, swimming at night from yeah. the docks. We jumped in, and then we just connected basically on our family background and uh, and our trauma of becoming, you know, in Cyprus, uh, pretty much. That was pretty pure. Yeah. That was very pure. Yeah. That's that. Those are the moments that I really really miss from Cyprus, actually. Uh, but this thing is like, you know, what's funny is that like the cultural scene in Cyprus is pretty much what we just said now, right? Girls go to dance because their mom thinks that they should. I wish I did, but my parents wouldn't because obviously I'm a boy. I was a boy or whatever you want to see me as. You know what I mean? Uh, so this like, I don't know, this dualism, I guess, of gender and of kind of like your own personal narrative being like dictating pretty much the cultural scene and how you are part of it is like inseparable from what is going on in Cyprus, if you ask me, you know? Um, but this also gives a very, how can I say this? Like political stance to it. It's it's a bit more personal, I feel, you know, with how you carry yourself and I don't know, your artistic expression, I feel. 
Mm, and the first time we met, no, we worked together, was at the event for Zach. Uh, but let's get into that later, actually, speaking about Zach. And right now, let's go to another song, which is Everything Counts Again by Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode with Everything Counts, girl. So, let's forget the cultural scene of Cyprus and the social aspect for later in our conversation. Let's focus a little bit on you, babes. How would you describe your, your work? And I hate, to be honest, I hate this question, but that's why I'm asking it to you, so you can say whatever you want in terms of who you are. Yeah, I want to say revolutionary, but it is not. <laughs> 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 well, it's we all should have that stance, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's uh, feministic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, existential in a sense and mm-hmm. pretty ontological. Yes, Queen. I, that's why, like, I mean, yeah, we think we, we're, we come from the same cookie cutter. I feel yeah. But when we talked uh, a while ago, you mentioned four words to me that really stick. It's anti-heroist, mm-hmm. involved, feminist, and ontological. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that, about each uh, thread of this, like, uh, you know, vocabulary, yeah. I guess. Well, uh, yeah, these references, uh, I feel that anti-heroism is like a reference, mm-hmm. more like in, the, in my research process, because... Um, I'm still in a very experimental stage and I'm still really uh, trying to evolve my research and understand it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess the anti-heroism uh, stems from like a need I have to, to question success mm-hmm. in my art. Also um, question the truth, like uh, I never have the truth and... It's very, uh, um, I'm really uh, inspired from the fact that I'm, I'm failing for truth. Mm. And in general, the failing and rejection is a big uh, um, part of like um, my research uh, yes. um, practice. <laughs> Work, I can, I, can, I can totally, I've never thought of it like that, to be honest. Because, I mean, that's what I do pretty much, like, with my research, I mean, with Heidegger and all that, but I'm not going to get into Heidegger now. Um, this, like, failure of success, as you said, is, like, perfect 
in terms of describing also where I come from academically, I guess, or like research-wise. Um, but saying that actually is now and also putting that as a canvas, let's say, for the improvisation that I see you doing, let's say, on Instagram or, you know what I mean, in real life, I can see this whole like process of always trying and always like improvising and improving and just flirting with different things. Like, love that. And I think that's how... It goes into involved, I guess. Yeah. If you may. Yeah. I think uh, failing is like one of like the humanest, humanest traits. Yeah. That the most human. The most human yeah. traits we have and we can uh, um, have compassion about. Preach. Or I don't know, we can make fun of it even or it's just, it's very basic human uh, mm-hmm. social mm-hmm. yeah, construct. That's the thing, like, uh, I, I think I've said this like a thousand times, like, I respect and love people that take what they do seriously, but then they don't take themselves seriously. Yeah. So this, like, humor that you said, like, I can see it. Okay, maybe not in, not in well... Mm. Well, yeah, I don't really use humor in my work, <laughs> but yeah. I use it in my process, I guess. Yeah, but you know what the thing is, like, for example, the last Dumb Queer Night, where you did that, like, 14-minute track, like, that was, like, <laughs> that was, like, that was humorous. It to was extent. humorous itself. You man. know, <laughs> but then, like, even, like, for example, in, like, the, the um, other wrong ways to hold a glass of wine that we're going to yeah. talk about later, like, yeah, it was super serious. However, you did paint your entire self white. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And was just like living paint everywhere, which evidently on stage didn't come off as like funny or humorous. It really was not. But they're like being backstage with you. <laughs> yeah. And just seeing you with that fucking like sponge being like tuck, 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 which took you approximately six hours to paint your entire body. That was funny. Um, but let's talk a bit about the feminist because I have a... Ugh, I'm going to say the things that I'm not supposed to say. But I have a bit of a problem with these like overarching statements of an artwork being like feminist or queer, which evidently it is. And it's like very crucial in its understanding. But like, let's talk a little bit about that because, and I don't mean to project on your art or appropriate evidently, but to me, it seems like you culminate in this opposition, right? In boundary pushing. Even with those four words, let's say, you go from the extremely personal, being um, involved and ontological, let's say, or, or sorry, yeah, and then to the external, which is, let's say, anti-heroist and feminist. Yeah. So it's like, an, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's oppositional. Yeah. Is this a valid point to make, first of all? Well, I don't like the word, uh, this word is feminist mm-hmm. either, but... Um, I don't know how else to describe it from the other side, how uh, it gravitates uh, towards, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know. Just uh, through my art, I think, um, I don't want to forget that I'm a woman as well, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's quite obvious in my work that uh, I'm a woman. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you understand? Mm-hmm. So it's something like I can't get rid of. So if I can't, I, I should support it as well. And I think I do, like in the sense that, that I paint my body or my boobs wear mm-hmm. out or uh, my movements are. Uh, yeah, okay, that's. Yeah, movement, it can't. Yeah. It's not that there's female movement. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, but I, I understand that there is this line where. Um, 
becomes appropriated. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's what I. That's what I mean. Because, um, I've had this problem. Let's say with my like work forever, where I thought that that just because I'm queer, I can somehow speak only about gender and sexuality, like, and then I realized after a while that like, yo, my work is queer regardless of what I do, because my lens is queer. So in the same respect, I know you personally, so you're a feminist, you know, and you share those ideals. So whatever you do, evidently will have like a feminist uh, footing. But to me, just like labeling like these things with these overarching general things that are not abstract, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you say anti-heroist, it's abstract, but it's also quite specific. You know, if you say ontological, it's specific in its abstractness. But then feminism is something that actually is very important, very practical, and very real. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, what type of feminism are we talking about? Let's yeah. say, or in the same way as queerness, well, you know. I think uh, the kind of feminism I'm inspired from is that the feminism that tries to reach a level of ontological freedom where mm -hmm. I don't have to fight anymore for my feminism because yes, we are all humans. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, through my art, eventually, hopefully in 20 years, <laughs> <laughs> I can speak for human, not for Stiliana is here, she's a solo artist mm -hmm. and this in a sense is feminist, mm -hmm. but it should stay I think, in a sense, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this, okay, what you said right now with the solo artist, oh my yeah. God, I have such a big problem with these headlines of like, woman scientist discover this, yeah. or like, woman astronaut went to the moon. I'm like, what, what, what does it really matter? Like, put a picture, mention it later, let's say, blah, 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 but kind of like using this, like, I don't know, tokenizing level of like, whatever identity is like, do you write man scientist invented whatever? Or do you like, or do you write man astronaut went to the moon? No. So again, it's like you're, I don't know. I, I am the reason I'm asking this and I'm trying to push this so much is because I personally don't believe in this whole like omnipotent utopic, no label counts, only that of human. Like I really don't. But once you start questioning humanity and its abstractness, you are led to more specific things like feminism or like queerness or like the trans identity or non-binary, blah, 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 post-colonialism, which are specific things. But what I'm saying is that like the picture should start off as bigger in my own understanding and in my own taste, which is what I also see in your work. And then paint smaller pictures, one of them being feminist and one of them being queer, blah, 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 blah. So I guess what you, what we also talked about is this interconnectedness of human consciousness that we all have with identity pretty much. And the relation of the individual with the cosmos, I guess, uh, if I'm going to put it in like very abstract terms. Um, so yeah, do you have something to add to that? Yeah. Okay, so basically what I'm leading to, right, is that Heidegger pretty much says that the work of a true artist is like unveiling a different uh, like interconnectedness relationship of the cosmos, whatever, of human consciousness through their work. So it's the conversation that we had about the cook and his wife and her lover, which we're going to get into later, uh, where you showed me a different reading of the movie. Right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, holy shit, why didn't I think of that before? Maybe I don't agree with it, maybe whatever. But the point is that like, it's a completely alien perspective to mine. 
Mm-hmm. And Heidegger says that basically it's this unveiling of meaning, right? So do you have like, let's say, does this thing come first for you? Do you have a specific process? Like, do you say, let's say, okay, now I want to talk about this specific thing. So that's the concept and I continue to it. Or do you just let it happen organically and then deviate for, to the concept later on? Well, I believe that somehow we are always connected to the cosmos. Like, mm-hmm. even if you feel disconnected, you are always connected to the cosmos. So, like, for me, like, to start a new piece is, like, just uh, a choice for rebellion, really. Yes. Like, um, so, I, I, I don't know, I just use the fragmented uh, time and space. I know that I'm connected to the cosmos and I just try to, to rebel it because, like, if I'm an expression of it, like... I will rebel, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think every time I start the piece, it's just a completely different process. I'm, ve- I'm very, like, influenced, like, uh, from what I experience at the moment. And it changes every time. Like, mm. uh, every year I'm somewhere else. Yeah, uh, we know, you're a cancer. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm I'm very like uh, influenced from really small actions. Like um, I find I find inspiring. I don't know, like uh, sitting on the table or something. <laughs> you know, like uh, uh-huh. yeah. And do you have a different like let's say approach to your different mediums, or is it pretty much the same in terms of like let's say fragmentating or like taking the fragments of experience? Well, I guess painting and dancing are like very different because um, well sometimes when you dance it's like you are disconnected from the cosmos but Mm. you are actually connected because you have like this attachment with your body right and the the need to be free but beautiful again or the need to (laughs) um, uh, show what you learned two years ago or like uh, show you show the best or like always mm. become better, which sometimes is uh, is limiting in a sense in the mind, yeah. even though it's, it's fucking connected with the body. Yeah. But with painting, I think because like, I use it completely to experiment with abstract forms. Mm-hmm. Well, it's quite different. It's, uh, it's like, um, It's like the, the expression of the mind of a dancer. So it's like they are kind of interconnected, but they are completely different processes. Okay. A bit, a bit, a bit yin and yang, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it, I, the, <laughs> I really like that. I really like the like analogy. It's kind of like a collage of, of like oppositions, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get a little bit more like um, specific. So the first time we worked together, was uh, the event about Zach, Zakio, who was this queer activist that was murdered in Athens by the state. Let's call a fish a fish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took the initiative to organize a fundraiser in uh, Frankreich, basically. And um, I asked you and Anastasia, who will be also a future guest of my um, you know, uh, podcast here, to perform. And uh, you performed this piece called uh, Over a Table, Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm going to be describing it a little bit for the listeners and please interject whenever you feel like I'm fucking up. So 
this bitch comes on stage, right, with a blazer, no chair, and the smallest table. And she was sitting in the air, basically. And the vibe that I got uh, was that you were kind of like waking up. You're, you're going to your job, that, which was kind of like, I guess, in my own understanding, <laughs> quite boring. You know, like an office job, let's say. And then somehow, when the song started becoming a little bit happier, no, did you start with the Beatles? No, that was the... The, the glass of wine. No, I started with uh, Michael Neiman. Oh, right. Really? At the over table? Yeah, I was speaking. I, I, I read the text I wrote. Mm-hmm. And then I started immediately. Oh, no. 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 13 angels standing guard beside your bed frame. Something like that. Okay, yeah. work. I don't remember exactly, but I remember that there were two <laughs> different songs, right? There was a change, I feel, in between. That turned... Like a little bit more happy-go-lucky. No. No? No. Okay, it's also it been three years. It was the and huh? then it was this song. Okay, fair enough. it's quite sad, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been three years, people. It, it Sorry. It wasn't happy. I really season. don't remember. Like, it's been three years, but I remember that there was a change in between. Okay. So when the change happened, like, she started, like, I don't know, jumping on the table and we're like, oh, she's going to fall. The table was like tiny on a tinier stage. It felt like it was not moving and it didn't fall at all, but she was doing this like acrobatics under, on the side, over the table. It was just like fucking insane. It's like you were inspired basically by like mundane everydayness and the process of waking up and you inverted it on its head, literally. So I guess this also reflects back to your interest to the external, as we said before, in terms of being involved and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you choose, let's say, to change its structure of the everydayness? Um, I mean, is it, first of all, a valid point to make that that's kind of like a part of your like uh, process, I guess, of inspiration? Yeah, it is. It is. I try a lot to abstract mannerism. Mm-hmm. Okay, work. In my work, I think. And I, I can see that. And you use a lot of objects. Yeah. What's, what's your take on that? What's your relationship with objects and their interplay with your work, I guess? Well... Yeah, it stems from the idea that uh, we contain the world in order to have a functional society and to have functional citizens, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome because, in a sense, that's how we can share a common reality and understand it. But yeah, I, I try to abstract it and also I'm interested in uh, uh, symbolic interpre- interpretations. Mm-hmm of like objects in dreams or like in alternate mm-hmm. states on drugs or yeah yeah cool yeah super I'll cool find it nice do you get specifically inspired by something like do you have let's say main inspiration object. yeah i don't know <laughs> no. why not you know sarah ahmed has the table actually yeah, that's why i'm asking I, li- I like mirrors i like tables you know like uh, i like the sea Okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any, any, any like specific inspirations in terms of like dancers or movies or I don't know what? Yeah, of course. I have shitloads. Uh, Would you like to share at least top three? I'm a very good, so I like lists. Uh, that's the only reason well, I'm asking. Uh, well, I love Stalker from Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. I like The Sacrifice from Tarkovsky. I love The Sacrifice. Um, well... The cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Of course, of course. That's kind of like our common favorite. But, okay, before we get into that, right, let's go to another song. And this time, we're going to She's in Parties by Bauhaus. 
She's in parties. Oh, girl, I wish I was in parties at this point. By Bauhaus. So, speaking of these like multiple inspirations, let's say, one of my main focuses of research in general is like alternative um, knowledge production. Is like what qualifies as research, let's say. So what? Just because I'm going to sit at a desk and type gender, it's viable. But if I'm having like a conversation with a friend over a glass of wine, it's not. It's this like basically momentary explorations with the familiar in an unfamiliar way, I guess, uh, that Sarahman is also talking about that I see in your work a lot, which inspires me. Uh, you have this video called Reunitive, where you did the choreo. Reunitive. Reunitive, sorry. I always like uh, mispronounce it. You did the choreo. Yes. And the direction. And the direction, yeah. Okay, work. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Well, um, these people just uh, approached me and they wanted me to, they wanted to use the place mm -hmm. I was living because it was like a great place with really nice nature, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, sure. And uh -huh. then uh, I asked, what is the project about? And I was like, okay, can I be involved? I would love to, to help. They were like, yeah, you can choreograph it actually. It's like, okay, cool. And then I directed also the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and because I like the subject, it was like about uh, from light going to darkness and this like uh, uh, this Anastasi. Like uh, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> translating problems Anastasi. This kind of like uneasiness. Uneasiness of yeah. this like uh, light darkness experience a self can have. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was pretty broad, so I wrote it down to my to my meters. Work. It's like what I saw, it's like refamiliarizing yourself with the surroundings basically and reacting to what is already in your own knowledge in a new way. It's like cause like uh, the the girl or the person, I don't know how she identifies anyway, was like doing weird things with her mouth. She was like touching her face. It was it was like weird. It was kind of like taking things apart and reshaping them in different figurations. Almost like a fuck you call it? That uh, like a Rub Rubik's cube that it's destined to never really be solved. It's like using your body to stretch its contours of possibility. And she was like refiguring her human anatomy in my own sense, right? Through the movements that you guided. It was like uh, metamorphosis, you know, of Kafka, mm -hmm. where like the person wakes up as a cockroach. Yeah, but basically she rediscovers herself by waking up as the same human, which was like genius, if you ask me. Uh, what What's your take on this? How do you feel like this reapproaching of experience and of movement influences your work. Do you do it like, because we did some exercises yesterday that really made me question how I move. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? About what? The concept lets you have refamiliarizing yourself and your movements through exploring with it, with something that is familiar, like your body. Well, yes, yeah, like, often it's like trying to contain the self back to the self. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this idea like with touching the teeth and the mouth is a bit like uh, a bit as if the self is trying to to make sure that is here their teeth and their self in a sense, like the the attachment one has with the body because yeah, very often we we understand dancing and movement as something to ground us, and of course mm -hmm. it is something to ground us to to make us feel our humanism. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, it's very important. Yeah, your body is a temple, but your body is also an uh, abstract uh, science fiction field very often. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, It's in a weird way, um, I feel, I see that you're like a very flowy and energetic dancer, but somehow the way you move and the way you work is also super grounded, if that makes sense. Mm. Like you're, I've, been, I've seen you things with your body that I never thought were possible with a human body. Uh, but then you do them in like this light way and just ground, which is like damn bitch work. So it's like you situate yourself with every aspect of your surrounding, your possibilities. Yeah. And you put yourself in uncomfortable positions. Uh, it's like transfigurations of your own body. Yeah. Its limits. Imagination helps a lot to imagine a, a state to be with your body and then find it. I think that's uh, a bit the artistic process in the mind. Work. Yeah. I don't know if, I, if, if this is safe to say, but I feel it invokes this like, level of primitivism, of kind of like going back to your own body in like a more naturalistic way. I don't mean primitivism and this like animalistic way, just more natural. I well, don't mind primi primitivism. Oh, yeah, 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 just, you know. So what's, you know, what's your opinion on this like regrounding and going back, let's say, to this like more naturalistic way of approaching your body and your movement? Well, I think that uh, very often people like approach like being animal or primitive, beast uh, primitive or like being in nature as like uh, something uh, folk in a sense mm -hmm. but I think it's uh, it's very good for the brain as well of, of the intellect mm. so uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that really like why why like nature and why like grounding yourself I think it's just uh, it's a human need, like it's uh, to you, basically. To me and in general, humans, I believe okay. we are not robots yet. Like uh, <laughs> you'll be surprised, girl. Yeah, I will. <laughs> you know, but uh, the thing is, that yeah, like, that's the thing. Like you have mm -hmm. only one body, mm -hmm. and that's your vessel to give you your experience in life. So yeah, if you are out of your body all the time then uh, what's experience exactly, you know? Mm -hmm. So Spectatorship. Yeah. You need to, in a sense, by grounding yourself to the ground, mm -hmm. somehow you also own the ground and yourself. Yes. Yeah, it's like, it's again the need for connectness. Okay. Connection. Speaking of spectatorship and this disconnect, let's go to a run so far away by Flock of Seagulls.
So, I ran so far away by Flag of Seagulls, guys. Get into it. So, speaking of this regrounding, right? Let's talk about your performance that, for me... Like, okay, I respected you beforehand, obviously, because I've seen you perform and you were my friend, blah, blah, blah. But kind of like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, you are that bitch. Because um, she came out at Damned Queer Night and performed the main soundtrack of The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, which is, I feel, both of one of our favorite films. And um, you, you talk about it, actually, a little bit. Well, I found this glass of wine in front of me. Mm -hmm. I thought this beautiful. Mm -hmm. Then I took the glass of wine. And because I made the piece of the over a table before, mm -hmm. I wanted somehow to connect them with glasses of wine. And that's what the idea to expand the space and the objects. Mm -hmm. So I started with this research idea of like, how to dance with a glass of wine. And then from the other side, I had questions of like, why people have to hold their glass in a specific way? Why is there many ways to hold your glass of wine? And like for me, like uh, wine is like, like throughout history, through religion and through uh, uh, many myths, like wine is like holy and... It's like a symbol of vitality and life, like Jesus Christ. It <laughs> 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 was like uh, uh, wine was his blood. And mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's the most mainstream. We all know that. And like, uh, yeah, so the wine has this idea of like life and like, uh, like water. Is, it's always like uh, alive somehow. Yes. And... Uh, yeah, so I played with this idea that if I hold, like, vitality, like, in my hands, mm -hmm. but I hold, like, this social contrast that is, like, the wine and how to how to hold it. Yeah, so it as a metaphor of life and how, like, yeah, people tell you how to hold your wine <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, just hold it, like, differently. And, yeah, I played with, with this, like, uh, idea of, like, trying to to break a bit, like, the... The action. The action, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, like... And also make it fun, because, like, queer night and... Yes. Uh, yeah. Queering it up, darling. Because, like, I, you were twisting it, turning it, flipping it, doing all these things with your body. Actually, like, <laughs> not even a drop spilled. Um, and the, that's the performance where she painted her whole body white that we talked about in, like, in the beginning of this, like, conversation. So while you were dancing, it felt the paint was obviously going everywhere on the stage. So it was like parts of your body, I guess, were like shedding, not shedding, leaving traces and tracks around of your movement. Mm. You know what I mean? Which also made me think of like um, Yves Klein and the performance that uh, he curated where it was just like a lot of um, women covered in blue and just basically moving on a canvas and then mm. this like painting was created. Um, and then at some point you're like, bam, and you just throw the wine at like everyone. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, queen. I feel that this like basically like body, let's say objectification, it's like you're becoming one with the object, which is like mm. a very like, Mm, I don't know, artsy thing to say, but really it's like, you know what I mean? It's like it changes and it occupies the way it's well, in the space. Okay, I will make a statement now. Because it's funny, sometimes we approach objects with more, with bigger respect because like, mm. 
I can I can see a glass and philosophize about it and approach it as an idea, but very, very rarely we do that for humans. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> lol, lol. It's I'm true. like, I'm so emotional. <laughs> no. It's so true. No, but, it, but it's true. Like this sometimes that uh, Yeah, we are so connected to objects, man. And uh yeah. We don't uh, we don't understand when we objectify people. And like, uh, yeah, the, yeah, maybe at the end, objects like uh, uh, bigger ideas and it's humans because ha- that's unfortunately that's how we are disconnected, like with our humanity. Preach. Okay, so to what extent would you say? Because this is a very big restriction, and you're absolutely right in perception, social perception, let's say, but. What does does it have like this like connection with the audience? Let's say in the perception, right? Uh, does it have like an implication in your work? Does it change? Let's say in terms of what audience you're going to be yeah. referring to, or do you try to? Because I for, I personally feel uncomfortable every time what you perform. To be honest, uncomfortable in a good way. I mean, because I feel uneasy. And I feel like, holy shit, she's going to fall from the table. She's going to, like, I don't know, break the glass, blah, blah, blah. But I love that. So does this have an implication in your work? Let's say, is it a part of it or, you know? The fact that uh, different audiences are... Mm-hmm. Like, well, uh, yes. Because when the audience is really happy and is there, like, to... to wants to be included it's not yeah. like the than the audience that they want to sit and watch something because they i don't know they biked for five minutes to come mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. Uh, or because they they have an expectation from the flyer or whatever so it's very different from the times i dance for queer night because it's more people don't have like huge expectations mm-hmm. but they're very open yes so uh I find it, yeah, I find it very exciting when, like, I don't know how the the audience is going to uh, to react or when they scream. It's it's really funny. I'm like, okay, then I will just do something crazier now or something uh, <laughs> or whatever I do is good then. So and it gives you freedom, you know. Yeah. Fuck yes. I so I have this number called from Shushuku to Shakira, right? And I, th- <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. And there's like a lot of cultural references from Cyprus. Yeah. So I performed this piece like a, like for a while now in a lot of places. I've performed it in Cyprus four times and in Amsterdam three. And uh, like in Cyprus, evidently everyone gets it from the get-go. So we're like, yes, queen, work. Oh my God, girl. And I was invited at this party once. And the majority of the people there were like heterosexual. Oh my God, you should have seen the faces that they were making while I was like whipping out dildos from my costume and shushukos and all that. But in Amsterdam, when I was doing it in the beginning and I was performing the Cypriot song, everyone was looking up another kind of like, um, does this bitch know we don't speak the language? But it wasn't a negative thing. It was just lost. And then when I started performing to Shakira and I did just traditional belly dancing, we're like, yes. And it's this reception basically of making people feel uncomfortable which I love in your work and I love in general as a concept because if you're familiar with a specific type of understanding and of spectatorship, let's say, it usually dictates you as an artist in what you're going to do because you want a positive response. So once you actually 
verify and validate this negative response as something that is valid, I feel that's where thought comes in. And that's why I love your work. Because there's a point why you almost might fall from a table. You know, that it, I should think about it. It's a vital part of it. So this uneasiness to me is like amazing, amazing, really. And I feel that's how you grow as a social person and as a political individual, you know, and as an artist at the end of the day. Yeah, you find ways to always break your limits. Break your limits and actually like challenge others to do the same. Yeah. You know, because then you're going against institutionalization basically, which to an extent is also dictated through the audience, you yeah. know. Because it's this like whole fake notion of like a trained die and untrained die, you know, or because you have like a gay audience or a queer audience or a whatever audience, you have to formulate a different number, which evidently you have to adjust to an extent, but you can also like, you know what I mean, make your own personality come out a little bit in this transfiguration. So this is more or less as much time as we have. But I would like to ask you for any future plans that you have or any last words that you would like to share with everyone. Well, I have an audition in a few days for another artist to work with. Uh, yeah, I, um, I decided I don't want to speak about my future plans. Okay. Because uh, I want to get lost a bit. Work. Pass to the audition and yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming, darling. <laughs> so, where can yeah. people find you in terms of social media? Well, on Instagram, I'm on Vimeo and YouTube. And, yeah. That's keep, it. Yeah. Work. Understiliana Apostolo, I presume, on all yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And you can follow me, as always, on Gravity Grave underscore in between gravity and grave on instagram and follow quintessentially queer on facebook while also slim radio on itunes google play soundcloud and uh, spotify so we're gonna finish with one of my songs because you sent me a song from new order and i don't know if you've heard this remix which is like (laughs) it's like really funny but let's go to um can't get blue monday out of my head pretty much like Yes, Uh, have a lovely continuation, lovely people, kisses.